0: Take the heat, get it out of the kitchen. You know when I first heard that term, Howard the Duck. <laughs> <It> <laughs> was this a life-changing moment for you, or? It just it, it it was well it was done as a pun. It was like when the dark overlord of the universe is in this diner, and he's like attacking the denizens with like fireballs from his hands, and like he shoots one at the kitchen to get gets on fire. And then he says, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. And then he keeps throwing fireballs.
1: Wow, that's a... Now I see why that movie did so well.
0: (laughs) It was such a smash. Marvel couldn't wait to get more of them. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to the Wage of Sin. They
1: they donated an entire Ed Credit scene to Howard the Duck. That, yeah, in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's the stinger. such a weird choice yeah because it's like it's not like we're gonna suddenly see the howard the duck movie no because the first not just because the first one didn't do so well but clearly marvel is not interested in making another howard the duck film
0: well no no they're not um (laughs) clear i I think even if they did a cgi howard the duck it it doesn't seem to really fit in with their plans or
1: have a point
0: yeah it was almost there when i saw that i i was just confused i was like because it doesn't really look like howard the duck he looked like
1: crap and because you didn't see it with matt catania like i did guardians of the galaxy i saw guardians of the galaxy
0: with but oh he saw it again with you i the i feel like the first time the the time i saw in the theater was with him treachery all right and with that welcome to wage of cinema i'm jack i'm andrew and uh, we're not going to talk about Howard the Duck today, um, sa- sorry to say. But uh, if you want, we- we'll be able to do a podcast on that one day. No, we won't. All No, right. But uh, in the meantime, though, uh, we're here to talk about these uh, lovely things called movies, motion pictures, cinematic Flicks. experiences. Flicks. We'll go see the Flickr show. Yeah. They don't really, it's hard to really call it that, though, because it doesn't go through a projector like it used to. It's not. It's not flickering... Through film stock. We're it's gonna flickering see, digital. We're going to see a decompressed digital file. Yeah, we're going to see artifacts. That's what they need. To, you know what? That's what they need. They need to call it facts.
1: No, that's stupid. All right.
0: I, I'm trying to think of something cool and hip you that know what? I'm the gonna kids miss? will.
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss those little circles up in the corner of the screen. Oh, I, I thought s- I was I'm... so cool for noticing those things when I was a kid.
0: I'm, I already miss those. Yeah, it's it that's that's one of those things that's really sad. But we're here today to talk about these things and uh yeah, You want um, to talk about
1: something that's really sad?
0: Oh, there's some sad news. Okay, cuz I had some happy news, but you go first. Start with the sad stuff. Okay, good.
1: The last VCR making
0: company is stopping production. I read about Now, here's the thing I was wondering about. I I read a couple I saw a couple articles about this, you know, obviously the headlines are always saying these kinds of things is but are they are VCRs only made in Japan because i cuz what i read was the last VCR in Japan was was made last month and now they're not making any more but i feel like they, they, there must be companies elsewhere in the world that make VCRs
1: not likely the the gist of the article is is that this is
0: the last company that is making VCRs in the world
1: huh and they're stopping production no more new VCRs that doesn't mean, of course, you won't be able to get one. Go to any thrift store; you'll find probably enough to make a
0: house. Well, out of. well, I mean, but, well, for a long time you. I, I, the funny thing is, for a long time you haven't been able to get VCRs.
1: Well, they certainly haven't been in stores, but they've been for sale online. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of like buying a laserdisc player.
0: Well, no, what, what well what you could do is you could. Uh, um, you, you could basically get... Well, even right now, I could go into a store and get what they call the DVD-VCR combo. Right. Um,
1: but a few months ago, I went to go look for one in Best Buy, and I they didn't carry it anymore.
0: Ah. Yeah. Really? Well, that's sad.
1: Really. I, I didn't Which, make it up.
0: No, no, I'm... No, that, <laughs> no I'm... I, you tr- doubt I, me! I, I trust you, Lord Andrew. I trust you, I swear. Um... No, that, that is rather sad. I think that it uh I mean granted, yeah, I mean it is an obsolete technology. Technically, I know this for as a factoid. The last film, the last major Hollywood movie, or just movie in general that was released on VHS, history of violence. Huh. So it's funny that they've been making VCRs for over ten years now without any actual movies being released in the format.
1: Well, people have still had the VHS collection. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you could still, for a long time, I don't know if you could do it anymore, but I also remember you could go into like a like a CVS and you could get a, uh, like, you, you could still get blank VHS tapes. Right. Um, well, now there's no point. No, well, now people but have DVRs. Anyway,
1: you're screwed.
0: Uh, why you am don't I screwed? Even
1: realize it, because if your VCR breaks down...
0: I know, I have to buy a second hand.
1: Yeah, and if that doesn't work, you know, you. For those of you who don't know, Jack has a giant collection of VHS tapes.
0: It's well, he's got VHS in his
1: kitchen, VHS in his living room, VHS in this thing behind me.
0: <laughs> Relatively, I, I have a bunch. VHS for
1: breakfast, VHS on top of the video games.
0: Well, uh, I on top of the TV. Well, what can I say? I I like my VHS.
1: You do indeed, but you're you're skating on thin ice maybe you don't know how far you have to fall jack
0: yeah <laughs> you you don't know what i don't know what to say about that um but i i'm i'm kind of concerned too because there is all i
1: i still have a few vhs tapes some of which um i have uh, the ken burns documentaries the civil war and baseball on vhs Okay. And I was able to get them for dollars because you know they were VHS, my library was getting getting rid of them. and now I'd have to rebuy them for you know, for quite a bit of money. But you know that I can replace. I have one thing, however, that I cannot replace.
0: Is that the battle uh, uh, was that was it that 40s US army documentary? Do no, you know I'm talking that, about the World War War II one? No,
1: I have I have a replacement for that. Okay. And actually, that was an incomplete set. But uh, I there's one thing in, in my VHS collection I can't replace, which are the original versions of Star Wars.
0: Uh, oh wait, wait! You have the pre-special edition Star Wars in widescreen on VHS? Yes. How would you get those? Thrift store. Really, they they <laughs> released letterboxed versions of the original Just, cut on VHS
1: in the nineties when they when they re released them on VHS. Uh, they have the pictures of like Darth Vader v- for a New Hope and a Stormtrooper for Empire Strikes Back and Yoda for Return of the Jedi. You, those of you who grew up in the nineties and got into Star Wars will know this, but yeah, they're they were widescreen editions. and I got them, and they are pre special edition. Yeah, before the special edition was even a thing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that that uh, I'm I'm it is very sad. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I'm very saddened by this just because. Oh, it's, also I have tracks. Well, it's also the kind of tracks.
1: Tracks. Remember that movie we saw with Shadow Stevens? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you can't get that on DVD. <laughs>
0: yeah, that movie wasn't good, but it's good. But that it you wasn't. Have it.
1: Un entertaining. No,
0: it wasn't the worst. I I will say that. It was not the worst of those movies that we watched.
1: Um Tracks, by the way, I'm gonna say only one thing about tracks. Okay. It the has the best surreal. fart joke I have ever seen.
0: Oh, I'm trying to remember what that was. I'll tell you about it later. But okay. there you go. But yeah, no, that well yeah, do you know what it is that's saddened about it? It's like there's no particular reason that you really have to stop making VHS tapes. It's still, you know, I could understand you're with aside like... Aside
1: from unprofitability?
0: Well, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, what what I mean to what, say what, is, let me let me put it this to. way. We now have, we live in a world where you can go into Barnes & Noble and buy LPs, at records. Right. And you could buy record players. I don't, that wasn't a thing when that, like maybe 10, 15 years ago. Like, CDs were really the thing. But yeah. now, we live in this weird world where you have these two extremes. You have people who will, you know... CDs, I guess maybe CDs still exist. Sure. I, I haven't bought a CD I, in a I've, while. I've bought CDs yeah. in the recent past. Mm-hmm. But, but but, you can also now buy records. And that's just kind of amazing to me that maybe part of it is the collector item part of it, that people like having those big records that they can show off. But that also, it, it's, it's still a technology that... Is from before CDs, whereas well, now we have, you know, we're getting rid of all VHS, and I, you know, I, I actually, I've, I've actually, I've already gotten over the death of VHS. I should mention that, like, I got over that years ago when I realized that you just... VHS tapes, they will last a long time, but there will come a point where a VHS tape will crumble apart. Yeah. So.
1: So that's why you keep the bones of VHS in your living room.
0: I I keep it like...
1: Your <laughs> house is a mausoleum, Jack.
0: Uh, An yes. ossuary. Well, what you really don't know, Andrew, is if you actually pull out Just a tiny bit. If you pull out
1: the boxes, that's where your drug stash is. No, no, no. (laughs) It just looks like you have a bunch of tapes. It's actually. I'm I'm really, I'm
0: really Breaking Bad incarnate. No, no. What what I was about to say was, if you if you pull out my copy of ET just a little bit, the whole door swivels around (laughs) so you can go into (laughs) my secret hideaway (laughs) where I do all of my nefarious schemes.
1: (laughs) I gotta say, if that were true, my respect for you would. uh... Shoot through the roof of this apartment.
0: (laughs) The fact that I can fit that in this two story apartment where. uh... I don't
1: know what's downstairs. Yeah. (laughs) You told me your neighbors moved out. I just assumed that because you told me.
0: Yes. Uh. You are wearing a T-shirt from the <laughs> movie VHS. Oh, I right didn't now. realize that. The, the yeah, I you know it's funny. I didn't even buy this. I I won the like I got this in like a contest or something. They VHS itself
1: that movie kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, but when it's good, it's really good. Yeah, when it's not good, it's kind of wet. Yeah. Um. And but still, that was that was a really that was a kind of a cool movie.
0: Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. I mean, again, these things, you know, time passes, things change. I mean, remember we had a time where you could go into a video store and look around and actually look at the boxes and take time to figure out what you wanted to rent? That's not a thing anymore.
1: I remember looking through video stores. I didn't shop there very often.
0: Oh, no? But you know what you were saying about vinyl compared to CDs. Okay, maybe that maybe that's not quite the same, but I'm just no, thinking about the gonna, retro I'm being I'm going to say the what,
1: the, what the better uh,
0: comparison is. <clears throat> well. Vinyl
1: is to CDs as film is to DVDs.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Because you love film, don't you? Yeah, a, film, a good film print is something that now I, I really cherish. If I can get a chance to see uh, an older movie screened on actual... Yeah, film, uh, which—that's th- the
1: movie equivalent of a vinyl
0: album. <clears throat> okay. Well, or, well, to an extent, I mean, people. There was a time where people sometimes had sixteen millimeter projectors in their homes, yeah. but that's that's something that's a little bit too pricey. Whereas having just a record player. Well, the Super Eight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is true. Super Eight was a thing. Yeah, you know, I just learned
1: time. this by watching Welcome to the Basement. Super Eight cameras also doubled as projectors. Huh. So you could shoot Super 8 film, and then you could just flip some switches and stuff and switch stuff around, and you'd be able to project film with that camera.
0: Oh, oh, wow. A, a, a two-in-one set. Yeah. Uh, I could see why it didn't last, because it was too convenient. Yeah. <laughs> it's not complicated enough for that. Suck it, Peter Jackson. So that is sad. So, RIP VHS, I raised my glass to you. You've been a great format. Now you're kind of gonna, you're, I guess you'll be kind of a dead format now, and you know we're gonna have a, you know it's not gonna die overnight. You're not gonna see VCRs thrown out like this nanosecond, but it'll be a very long slow death. Uh,
1: VHS has been mummified. Now we're gonna put it in the ground.
0: Yeah, VHS, VCRs are gonna join. um, Oh God! No, no, not even that. I'm going back. I'm going back way in time. What they had before standard record players. Like, when. Like, yeah. <laughs> See, that's when you know you found a real hipster. When they're like.
1: When they're listening to a gramophone smoking yes. a pipe and.
0: And twirling and twirling. And twirling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hipsters. Well, right, let, let me share some good news. All right. Terry Gilliam has gone into production. On the man who killed Don Quixote. Immediately,
1: something is going to go wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: no! Don't you know it? No, I'm I'm very hopeful this his time. His lead actor going to die. No, or the you know why his no no you know or... why his lead
0: actor not going to die this time? Why not? Because because he's made of metal. Well, no, not quite. But the next best thing. Now in the cast, like before, he had a. Uh, Like, when he first tried to do the film, he had Johnny Depp, um, and he had this French actor, Jean Rochefort, as uh, Don Quixote. This time, he has Michael Palin as Don Quixote, which I'm very excited about. I want to see what he does as, you know, in a... I haven't seen him in a long time, and I I love Michael Palin. In the role that, for some reason, I don't know how it works that he's the new Johnny Depp, Adam Driver. So, you have Kylo Ren in your movie you're gonna probably have a couple of disney people on there just making sure that nothing goes wrong
1: you mean like sanding the edges off of his food so he doesn't hurt himself?
0: <laughs> pre-chewing his chicken i mean the disasters that happened with don quixote it was not i mean but I mean, the, yeah they, they even hit... don quixote every
1: terry gilliam film uh <laughs> the man is a magnet for bad hey, luck. Hey,
0: only one actor has died during the making of one of his movies. And, well, that is a sad one. That was Heath Ledger. <laughs> totally not Terry to <laughs> Gilliam's fault. But still. No, he actually, yeah, that was not his fault. And um, But I'm hopeful. I think that he's now at the age where I, I just want this movie to get done. And I hope it's really good. Because if it is, then he... If he never makes another movie, then I'll be fine with that. I like having a filmmaker who will go off on a high note, mm. and this seems like this has been his passion project now for literally decades. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. you know, thank goodness for Amazon Studios, because they're the ones that are fronting Hopefully the money.
1: somebody's already working on the documentary about this film.
0: <laughs> Lost in La Mancha 2, The Search for More Misery. The only
1: documentary to get a sequel? <laughs> All right, no, there have probably been other documentaries.
0: That oh, of sequels. course there is.
1: There was uh But the only documentary I've heard of that's going to get a sequel
0: I I'm trying to think if there's any other documentaries I've heard that got sequels. Anyway, I think, but anyway, so I'm movie. very happy for Terry Gilliam. I think that I don't know why, I feel just uh <clears throat> this sounds new agey, but I'm feeling like energy in the universe. It's good. Good vibes. Time. I well, I I want to be hopeful. This guy's had so much bad luck over his career, like whether it's dealing with the studio, releasing Brazil, or everything with Baron Munchausen, or Hunter S. Thompson apparently was a dick to work with when he was doing Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, he led dying. Yeah, he led Dying. dying. Um, although th- he was able to make the best of that. Was um, there anything for Tideland? They Not really. Tideland actually came out... That was a pretty smooth production. Like, that was... The interesting thing with Tideland, he was doing Brothers Grimm, and he was having a tough time with that, because he was working with Miramax. Right. Um, and But he had, like, a break in filming, and he used that break to shoot another movie. Nice. And that's why he shot Tideland. Um, like, I don't know, I... See, Terry Gilliam uses his
1: breaks from making movies to make movies. Well, what are you doing, Jack?
0: Well, I... I don't have a lot of backers.
1: actually now I kinda of feel like a dick because I For
0: those a who want to question. for those who want to send me money, email wages at gmail Email your
1: money to us.
0: Yes, email all of it.
1: Scan your dollars, send
0: it <laughs> to us in PDF. Scan your monopoly money and send it uh carry uh attention Jack Catanoah and uh, you'll you'll maybe get a movie someday. Um but no, it, at least, you know, it I'm happy that if at least it's going into production, we'll see what happens. Um whether we hear about any bad incidents, what yet to be seen. Um we'll see. I one one of the things that makes me hopeful is the fact that it's being that Amazon Studios is behind it. So they're they've been very good for filmmakers uh <clears throat> auteurs. Um a movie actually I just watched recently, I'm going to talk about in a few minutes Amazon Studios made. Uh, they recently put out a Spike Lee movie. Uh, they put out a movie. I think I talked about lat- one of the podcasts ago, Wiener dog. Right. So, um, they're, they're, they're interesting cause they're, cause you have Amazon and Netflix are now making movies. The difference is that Netflix, they'll maybe put out a movie for like a week in like two theaters, just so it gets like awards, uh, consideration. So it gets that official seal and then they'll immediately put it on Netflix. But Amazon will actually release a movie like any traditional movie. Then they'll put it on their website. I think that's that's kind of a cool plan. Yeah. And uh, and so for Terry, Terry Gilliam, I I think it's be, I think this is probably the best situation he could have hoped for because when he tried to make it the last time, he w- he had like a thirty two million dollar budget, but it came from all these different sources throughout Europe. And the reason why the movie got tangled in Legal crap for so many years was because so many different people claimed ownership on the insurance or this or that or the other thing. Um, so he's not doing it that, but he's also not doing it through a regular Hollywood studio who you know might pull another thing like we're going to do a love conquers all edit of your movie. <laughs> this time, this time we want Don Quixote to have a love interest. <laughs> he's gonna he he's gonna fuck a windmill. <laughs> Don Quixote does have a lot of uh, interest. Oh, I, I, Dulcinea de Toboso. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I've I've heard She's the a full. She's bar wench. Oh yeah, I, that's one of those books I'll read one of these days. I have, have it on my shelf. Have you
1: ever shelt. seen Man of La Mancha, the movie of the musical?
0: No. I've heard it's, it's got not Peter bad. O'Toole. Okay, that that sounds pretty cool.
1: It's not bad, but Peter O'Toole is not a good singer.
0: Nah, yeah, that that doesn't seem that doesn't sound about right. Good music though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um that's a movie I've seen. I finally talked about one. There you go. <laughs> the one that I have not seen yet. So uh what movies have you seen? Okay. Well uh speaking of well for Amazon Studios, uh I saw the new Woody Allen movie. Good. It's called Cafe Society. Um, now you saw Midnight in Paris, right? Yep. Uh, this is another movie that is, uh, he, he's now going back into period setting, uh, period Woody Allen. Um, this is in the 1930s. Did I say that weird? No, I was just thinking about something. Okay. Um, yeah, this is set in 1930s Hollywood or partly Hollywood and also partly New York, uh, nightclub, slightly gangster uh g- gangland type of milieu and it's it, it it follows um jesse eisenberg he he goes to hollywood and he is like kind of you know this nervy little kid but he wants to get just get a job and his uncle is steve carell who runs he's in like an agent at this like major studio and just kind of all right kid yeah i'll, I'll give you a job do this and oh and here's my lovely secretary and it's kristen stewart and I guess because, you know, hey, here are these two kids who have been out in a couple movies. We're going to fall in love. But it's actually an interesting story because it involves what you might call the friend zone. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the friend zone is, that basically means when you are you have a good relationship with a girl, but you're not really together because she is really with somebody else. But as the guy, you, you know... Are still there, you're waiting in the wings, and almost sometimes, you know, in a matter of speaking, maybe waiting for your moment to kind of come in and maybe have a relationship with this person.
1: You seem Uh, to uh, have a lot of intimate knowledge of the Friend Zone.
0: (laughs) Oh, hey. (laughs) We're getting into personal stuff here. I'm just saying. Hey, I've seen Chris Rock's bit on the Friend Zone, He, he lays it out for you. He, it's also called... That's
1: the zone that they told us to fly into in Top Gun.
0: Did they now? Yes. Was that... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, because you had... Uh... Kenny Loggins. Did anyway. he mention the friend... No, he... <laughs> it, the, the funny thing about the friend zone in Top Gun is that it's not really about the guy waiting for the girl. It's about the other way around. <laughs> Oh, Top Gun! Uh, you warmed our hearts. Uh, yes. Anyway, but uh, anyway, this movie is pretty charming. I would rank it in the kind of column, like, because by now Woody Allen is like fifty movies, it's just an insane. Maybe some critics think he has like too many movies. It's almost like, oh, it almost is to the point where certain filmmakers, you're kind of like, oh man, I've looked waited so long for something from this guy. I feel so good that this new movie's out and so good. Like Joe yeah, but Woody Allen, he puts out a movie every year, so it's like, oh, this again. Uh, <laughs> no, critics feel that way. Because it almost, not quite to this level, but it's... For some, not for all, but some critics almost look at it as like a chore. It's like, alright, you gotta go to the new Woody Allen. Alright, let's do this. How do you feel about it, Jack? About just about his career.
1: Woody About, like, another Woody Allen movie.
0: I'm fine with it. Because he... You know, with a few exceptions, I've not been really too angry by too many Woody Allen movies. He's He consistently puts out good work. And then when, in a way, it almost, the the waiting game with him is, is waiting for the great one to come out. Now, this isn't great. It is, though, very good, minor Woody Allen. Like, he has tiers of, of work, basically. You have kind of like your major films. You have like Annie Hall and... Crimes and Misdemeanors, Manhattan, and even Midnight in Paris which extends up there. Um, uh, you know, a couple. You know, some other movies, Hannah and Sisters. This is a little bit more mid-level. This is like Manhattan murder mystery, or To Rome with Love, or I could list off so many other movies. Yeah. Um. But within the you could you could list fifty of them. Yeah. But within the but within the set world it's in, I, I like Jesse Eisenberg in this movie. I think he he's almost too good at being the Woody Allen type. It's almost like he was grown in a lab to be specially made to be in (laughs) Woody Allen movies. And then somehow, by accident, he wandered into a Batman movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, those sort of things just happen,
0: you know? Uh, Yeah, because... (laughs) <laughs> he he worked so well. it's Red like are coming. Anyway. <laughs> you, know what the, you know what part sticks in my mind from his performance? Is that last moment where he's in the jail cell. And like he does this thing where the camera's he's like, pulling. He's holding the
1: bar. And he's, and he's going, the...
0: ha, 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 ha. He's making just some <laughs> sound over and over again. That has stayed with me for months. I don't know why. Just because it's just so... Random. Get out of my head, Eisenberg. <laughs> God. <laughs> and we're gonna get more of him. Of course. But uh, but fun movie. Uh, also, uh, Corey Stoll, who was Ernest Hemingway in Midnight in Paris, is in it again. Mm-hmm. I wish he was in the movie a little bit more. He's like he plays Jesse Eisenberg's brother, and he's. Like the like a big gangster in New York City. So there's a little bit of also a Bolts Over Broadway, if anybody's ever seen that. There's a little bit of that in this movie, too. I wish the movie had focused a little bit more on that. That's almost kind of like a side subplot, like punchline type of thing. And the relationship aspect is the main part. But it's a beautiful looking movie. The other thing, too, to mention before I move on. Um, this is the first time Woody Allen's worked with... Uh, a cinematographer named Vittorio Storaro, which made me feel really geeky and really excited to see the movie because he uh, has shot a lot of Bernardo Bertolucci movies, and at the top of the list, he shot Apocalypse Now. So he brings a lot of, character, of a lot of color, and he also does something which you don't usually see in a lot of Woody Allen movies, which is that the camera moves. Because huh. <laughs> sometimes you watch a Woody Allen movie, and maybe it moves a little bit, when it has to, of characters are kind of walking and talking. But here, it feels a little bit more like a real Italian type of movie. When you get those Italian movies, where the camera's just always moving.
1: La yeah. Uh La Camera fall!
0: Yeah. So I saw that. Also, um, got to talk about Beyond the Valley of the Star Trek. Oh. Uh, yeah. Or as I like to call it. Star Trek beyond, yeah, that's maybe the better do it bare way of doing it, I thought I was trying to be clever with the beyond the value of the star Trek, um beyond it, Andrew, beyond it, so you saw it, yeah, How um, it? it's good, good, yeah Next. that's yeah <laughs> no, no it's about? important it's important to mention that uh have you seen any of the newer star treks yeah, I've seen both of them oh, you saw both of them, yeah. okay, now, uh. We All talked, right, we've ha-
1: talked a little bit about Star Trek in relation to, I don't know, but we talked like we talked about, you know, the tropes of science fiction and the, the yeah. sort of tropes of like science fantasy, and how Star Trek is moving in the direction of science fantasy. It's more Flash Gordon now than it was, you know, Gene yeah. Roddenberry's original vision. Yes, which is kind of a weird thing from. Uh, to think about, because you and I, we talk about adaptations and about sequels and remakes and about being true to the spirit of a, of a property. Yes. Well, the newest trio of Star Trek films don't seem to be doing that. And yet, yeah. they're decent
0: films. The first one I don't is...
1: know if you... I, I don't have a love of Star
0: Trek. Okay. I, 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 I don't exactly with... either. I've... I've grown to like it more as I've gotten older. It wasn't a thing that I had when I was a kid. Like, in fact, it's kind of funny because in my household, like, I think it it wasn't like a, it it was kind of almost like a a running gag. But my parents, I think, had opposing sides about Star Trek. Because I think my mom actually was a fan. Like, she grew up, she watched, like, the original series when it Mm -hmm. aired when she was a kid. And and she actually liked it. And I, I think she even took me and my brother to see Undiscovered Country when we were just kids. Oh, but, I love
1: Undiscovered Country.
0: Yeah, we talked about that on yeah. the show.
1: We've talked about a lot of the things about Star Trek, actually, now that I think about it.
0: Yeah, maybe one day we'll do, like, a full-on Star Trek episode. But, but my dad thought it was just funny. Like, he, he would just kind of, like, openly mock it, and he would he even... Thought
1: it w- he thought it was cheesy.
0: He thought it was cheesy. He, like, he had, like... Some in our house, we would ha- he would sometimes have like funny things up on the walls and certain little goofy funny things. He had up like a signed picture of Ricardo Montalban from Wrath of Khan, yeah, and he had it up as a joke because he thought it was just <laughs> hilarious. Like, and as a kid, I I actually didn't see Wrath of Khan until I was. Maybe about like twenty, maybe twenty one.
1: I didn't see Rathcon until I was in college.
0: Yeah, so as a kid, I thought he just looked ridiculous. I'm just like, who is this he guy? He looks
1: kind of like David Bowie from Labyrinth, only and, a little more restrained.
0: And I think as a kid, I don't know how if you, if you saw us at all, but Star Trek, I felt like it was kind of regarded as something that was really nerdy.
1: There was always that stereotype, although I didn't really know anyone who watched Star Trek or. Or 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 see many episodes, so Star Trek. So I didn't like put down anybody who
0: liked Star Trek. No, I, I, it's not like I did that either. No, but. but
1: but it wasn't like I looked at Star Trek and turned my nose up to it. It was just kind of a thing that existed in the world which yes. I had no knowledge of.
0: No, and yeah, but the thing was also I mean again I didn't really see many of the movies for a long time, but now I have and I definitely and I've seen a lot of the original series, and I've seen both sides of how. Star Trek works, where you have that uh, the real deep intellectual side of it, trying to f- about Roddenberry's right. original vision of seeking out other cultures, the and
1: science fiction,
0: part the science fiction, but also social commentary aspect. The right. fact that he very explicitly created the cast of the Enterprise because it was very multi ethnic, and you know you didn't see that on TV at all at the then, time.
1: Then first interracial kiss on television.
0: Oh yes, when William Shatner kissed that green chick. No. <laughs> I know. I'm. I'm just kidding. I don't know with you. Right, I anyway. I knew, but anyways, Star Trek Beyond. I no, really, you, gotta, you gotta say it like this: Star Trek Beyond Beyond. Beyond! <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't care for Into Darkness very much. I'll say that up front. Yeah. Uh, it, it it started pretty interesting, but then once it became uh, goddamn Wrath of Khan again... And
1: kind of a, a poor imitation of Wrath of Khan.
0: And, try, and it, a lot of the worst quirks and things of J.J. Abrams and also the screenwriters, uh, Robert Orchie and Alex Kurtzman, who are not involved in this one, um, oh. after that, they needed a, a bit of a course change. And this one, they basically give it. This is basically 85% of this movie is just... A fun ride. Nice. And that's what I was hoping for. Uh, and you basically get that. Even get a little bit of. Not, not a lot, but a little bit of that original Roddenberry vision.
1: Can I say something about Into Darkness? Okay. You know how when I say, when I talk about movies that I see in the theater? Yeah. I, I'm usually so overwhelmed by the experience that mm-hmm. I don't think about criticisms until several days yeah. later. I saw Into Darkness in the theater and. Immediately after when I got dinner, I said, yeah. "I immediately had questions about the plot of Into Darkness." <laughs>
0: uh, you had like, like you had the Prometheus effect with it.
1: Yes. Oh, don't even. All right. It's,
0: uh, I don't know. Like,
1: Into Darkness is better than Prometheus, but I had questions about like the logistics of like the secret ship that was hidden behind Jupiter, and I was like, "How do you do something that big that's
0: so secret?" Well, you also have. I- well, there are also questions about like. Khan's whole plan with like launching the dead, uh, well, not the dead, but the people he had yeah, in those sus- frozen pods, the, anima- the, the
1: suspended
0: Yeah, that he was going to use them as weapons or something. I don't even remember. But uh, it was just so convoluted.
1: I, I'm a little more pedantic. I think I focus on the logistics of building ships.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, then this one you might be kind of interested in because in this one. One of the main things is that this alien race uh, basically practically demolishes the Enterprise. Which Finally. Is, well, has it ever happened before? I'm sure it happened before. Maybe. Uh, but in this movie, you get um, you know, the, the Kirk and his team. The, the Enterprise gets destroyed. They have to abandon ship. A lot of the crew is kidnapped by this big, gnarly alien dude whose name I thought at first was Krull, which made me think of like <laughs> another movie. But his name is Krowl. Which is, okay. but it's close enough to crawl. Then I'm just gonna call him crawl. <laughs> um, uh, and then like they have to find a way to fight this guy. And as it turns out, there's this other chick who has created, uh, who who has found like this other ship that used to be in the Enterprise ages ago. And it was like one of the first ships they ever made that's on this planet. And for somehow, kind of got lost in time, like as if it was one of those like ghost ships or something. Um, again, I, the way I'm describing it, it sounds silly. It works in it the sounds, story of the movie. It, it's
1: like that's a, like it is. It, I know that's the Flash Gordoniest plot. That I could think
0: of. <laughs> it is a little Flash Gordon, but it's still but at the same time. It it's fun. I just, I well, really also, like Flash Gordon. well, you know what it is too about this movie: Bones and Spock. Oh, good. They. They, for them, for me, they stole the show. Nice. It, part of what works too, Simon Pegg. It was one of the writers of the script, and I think I felt a lot of his presence in this movie, cool. which is really cool because you know, I, I, a, I think he gets Star Trek, and b, he, you know, he has a love of having good humor with things. Now you could also say watching it that maybe he gives himself a little bit extra screen time. <laughs> He he gives himself some kind of like I, I'm going to react to things that this alien chick is saying and uh, have some goofy banter, but that's no, fine. That but the thing, the but the thing is though, Bones and Spock, they're such a great team. They're they're such a classic like classic comedy team, because like, you have Spock who's so straightforward and so, uh, says everything in such a scientific mannered way. Like, even after, and, like, for and, part of the movie, he's like injured really badly, but he's still saying things that's making like Bones kind of like pissed. At him. And Bones, he's all gruff.
1: And, yeah, he's very and gruff and, and
0: impatient. And, and uh, they even have a moment where Bones is about to say the "Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a," uh, and then he gets transported off the scene. Um, so there's a lot yeah. of fun parts in the last like 15 minutes. I'll say that the movie, it doesn't fall apart, but it starts to have problems. Because they suddenly cram in the villain's backstory, where it's not really necessary. Yeah. Um, but up until then, like I would say, if you're looking for just a really fun action movie uh, with some really good personalities, uh, you, know, you get it in this movie. You get to see... And even Kirk even has... Maybe just very slight, but a little bit of an arc. Not very much, but a little bit. You know, it's, the, my one problem, though, Going is not so much with the movie, but now going forward, after watching this, I just keep thinking, what are they going to do now from here? Uh, like, they can't really explore these characters m- that much further. Like, it, it it almost has the danger of becoming a little bit sitcom-ish. The fact that once, once again you have Spock and Uhura with their kind of thing. And in this movie, they're not together, but maybe they'll get together next film. And, you know, and uh, and Kirk with his, you know, I have to live up to my father's response, you know, his sense of what he did in the Federation. Well, now he's done that. So I'm it's not so much with this movie, but I wonder going forward what they're going to do. I mean, I have faith in the team, but there comes a point where maybe they should let the franchise just. All right. This is it.
1: Did this film make money?
0: Um, I don't know so much yet, but it had a decent opening weekend. Nah, I think that in, I, th- I think Into Darkness might have hurt it at the box office a little bit, because sometimes after a bad movie, you or not, not even bad but just a disappointing movie, critically when you get, like, the next movie it falls off. It's like when Batman Begins came out, it didn't really have that big of an opening, uh, because the last Batman movie was Batman Robin Yeah. <laughs> um... So there was that. Oh, speaking of superheroes, now, this might... Uh, I don't know if this is an official thing to talk about, but I will talk about it because it technically did get a theatrical release for two days, and I saw it in the theater. Nice. Batman, The Killing Joke. hmm Now, um, have you heard much about... Did you ever read the book?
1: No. I know of its existence, and I know that it's an important story.
0: Yeah, well, it's one of the big ones. Like when I remember when I was kind of getting brought into reading comic books, uh, uh, you know, by some friends that I knew and Macatania was one of the people who kind of helped guide me a little bit. The Killing Joke was one of the ones I was told, read this as one of the first ones. And it was definitely one of the Batman stories that made me a fan, uh, for a long time. And, you know, the thing about the story is that it's Alan Moore telling the origin of the Joker or so we think, uh, (laughs) Because as one of the key lines from that that thing is, of course, uh, you know I have, you know I my, my story went one way, but it could have gone another way. It's multiple choice, <laughs> so what's what's kind of cool about the story is that you get the Joker's origin, and it's you know a pretty solid, straightforward telling about you know his character used to be like a failed like stand-up comic, and he took like a chance with a couple of gangsters and then like it, it, if this if this Thing sounds if this sounds familiar, he was in like this factory and accidentally fell into a vat of acid with Batman standing over him on like a uh, the the whatever you call it. Yeah. And which of course obviously Burton read that and was like, Alright, this is in the movie <laughs> So were you about to say something though? You, you look like you had, had a thought. I
1: just had a thought about Batman and, and the Joker. All right,
0: well, we'll come back to it. The yeah. thing about this movie, though... All right, so this comes from the DC animated line. I think we've we've watched the animated movies here and there over the years. They work. Shit, they mostly do. I mean, again, you're dealing with a team led by Bruce Timm, who was involved with uh, the Batman animated series. I don't know if he was involved with the Superman animated series, too. I know, you know, you also had the... Justice League series. You had all those. D- the DC animated world, I feel like, is in its way as strong as Marvel's cinematic universes. Mm. But this is one of the times, unfortunately, where they, I hate to say it, they did kind of slip up. And part of the problem is... The killing is, joke, I mean. Yeah, the killing joke. Because the the book itself, it's adapted in full in the movie. Mm. But the story itself is kind of like a long, short film because you're dealing with a story that involves the Joker kidnaps commissioner Gordon at any one of the main things that's lasted a long time in comics is that he shoots, uh, Barbara Gordon, uh, AKA Batgirl, um, and paralyzes her. And that's been a, th- a major thing that fans of, and people have had to deal with for decades was this whole tragedy that happened. Although she ended up becoming a major character called Oracle, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the problem is, is that before this story actually is shown in the movie, you get a half hour of backstory to make it a 75-minute film. Oh, no. And this half hour is bad. It's pretty bad. It's like... You, you get, like, the backstory with Batman and Batgirl and their relationship. And when I mean relationship, I mean... Relationship. Like, they, they have, like, a fight on a rooftop... Which leads to them having sex. Of course.
1: <laughs> I fail to see the problem. But
0: that's it.
1: Kind of comes yeah, out of doesn't nowhere. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make much sense at all. No,
0: like, and also, because okay, Batman, he has this bond with you know his Robin and Batgirl are. They're, he's more paternalistic to them, like in the in the series, in the comics, and all that stuff. Yeah, like they, you know, like. <laughs> Like, you wouldn't have Batman fuck Robin. <laughs> Although maybe that would have made Dark Knight Rises better. I don't know. Um, but it also, the, if it's not being WTF, it's also it's being generic. There's a villain in this kind of half-hour story before the killing joke really takes off that involves a villain, I'm not kidding, his name is Paris Friends. Go on. Yeah, and he's, like, it's spelled F-R-A-N-Z. Right. And he's just such a generic nothing. He's just, like, a character who is, like, ugh, and t- kind of taunting Batgirl, and Batman's, like, stay away from this. You're off the case. And, and she's like, no, I'm going to fight him. He's like, no, you're going to stay here. And <laughs> and eventually that whole match. thing. And then it eventually leads to her... Screwing Batman, and then they have that kind of thing where he's now like, "Oh, we did that thing. I don't want to talk to you right now. Talk to you later. Bye." <laughs> and she's just like, "It was just sex. Like, don't make a big deal out of it." And no, it just doesn't work. Like, it, 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 again, I, I'm not trying to be a purist. You know, again, in the comics, it didn't really happen there, but like here. The fact that you're trying to give Barbara Gordon this kind of backstory so that when she's shot in the main story, that she does have an arc. It's just not like suddenly, oh, here's Barbara Gordon, she gets shot, that's it. But the way that they end up giving her her backstory is just really bad. It's just really disappointing and wrong-headed and cliche. It's like It turns into like a telenovela almost with Batman. Or Batmundo, we should call him. Ooh, there we go um so yeah i although here's the main thing though the reason why this was also a big deal it got it got what they call it the fathom events release and mark hamill came back as the joker also kevin conroy as batman but they sound different and it's interesting because right before uh the movie starts there's this little documentary where mark hamill's interviewed and he talks about you know voicing joker for all the years he did and then you know how he thought he was done, and then he did the voice of the Joker in the Arkham Asylum game. And he talked about how different he was in that, and how like, you know, you see the Joker in the animated series, and he, you know, had a very distinct personality. But then you look at the video game, and they went to this whole other level. Mm. And now they bring him back, and it, it's the animation for him, and also in general, the movies a little stiff. Like they didn't have as much money to work with as you'd think. Like, maybe for TV it can be a little bit more forgiving, but if you're seeing something that they're putting on a big screen, they really need to bring it. Um, Maybe, I don't know if that issue was there at all with Mask of the Phantasm, which I know, you've seen that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Maybe they had a little bit more money for that one, but it's, it's kind of a strange thing when you see a movie made in 2016 and it doesn't have the same quality as a movie from 1993. So, that's the killing joke for you. Um... I have one more thing I'd like to talk about. One more movie one. Uh, before we talk more Because I've seen a couple little m- movies here and there, but uh, mostly I was focusing on my cinema urgent tank, which you can listen to now, episode 57.1, by the I'll way. listen to it now. Yes. But uh, to tell you about um, this movie uh, that I'm about to talk about, I think it's fair for me to play for you, Andrew, a little clip to introduce it for you help the humans about to escape get your paws off me you dirty ape <gasps> he can talk he can talk he can talk he, he, can, talk. Talk. he, can, he talk. can talk he, he can, can talk he can talk he can talk I can sing. oh help me Dr sayus Dr sayus
1: Dr sayus Dr sayus Dr
0: sayus Dr sayus Dr sayus oh Dr sayus Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. What's wrong with
1: me? I think you're crazy. Want a second opinion? You're also lazy. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas,
0: Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. But yeah, play the apes.
1: I like Planet
0: of the Apes. I I, I would hope you would. Um, I, I like it quite a bit, too. You know
1: what, what kind of makes me really want to like it, even as I was watching it, but the reason I really thought this would be good is because it has a script written by Rod Serley.
0: You know, it's here's the funny thing. Uh, so I saw this movie again because, uh, just like with The Killing Joke, Fathom uh, Events put out Planet of the Apes to show, like, two days uh, special screenings uh TCM was also involved with it um but the, the the interesting thing was they had uh one of the hosts Ben Mankiewicz talking with Dr. Zayas <laughs> in a little intro for the film I'm tempted to say, I would like to say that it was Paul F. Tompkins as Dr. Zayas but I probably could be wrong All I just right. thought I heard his voice in it but Dr. Zayas in his interview <laughs> talks about how the script was written, and that Rod Serling, you know, wrote the first draft, and even though another writer came in and changed some things, it is basically *Twilight Zone* the movie.
1: It's a yeah, it's it's the same sort of
0: story in a longer and weird
1: form. Look at the world through the eyes of Rod Serling. Yeah, it's, it's that same quality writing that is you know it's been polished a great deal for the screen and and, and lengthened. A few films do that really well. Uh, this is just one of them.
0: Yeah, well, it's also it, it, it holds up in some surprising ways. In some certain ways, it is a little corny. There are a couple of moments where I I laughed. It's a madhouse. Oh, not mad oh, house. not even that. I think that's awesome. I mean, more so like when they get on the beach and uh, uh, Taylor, the uh, Charlton Heston character, he shaves, and Roddy McDowell, uh, Doctor Cornelius, says. Somehow, it makes you seem less intelligent. <laughs> I thought that was good. That, and also when Taylor asks to kiss uh, Zira, mm. and she's like, Alright, but you're so damn ugly! And then they kiss, and then, like, the little young ape that's with them is like, eh. Like, that, 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 that's a little much. But, overall, I think that this movie holds up surprisingly well. Yeah. I think that, Like there's this whole long uh, this whole long courtroom scene where um, the uh, you know Taylor is on trial basically although he can't speak because he's you know a human and Doctor Cornelius and uh, his you know other the 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 woman damn it now I'm like blanking on her name again you know Zira Uh, they're trying to defend him and the scene has a lot of great writing. It's like it, it's not dumbed down for kids. Like today, this scene would probably, you know, be really cheesy, ex- extra cheesy, and not have much brains to it. But here, it's played straight as like a courtroom scene. It just happens to have apes. Yeah. And you even ha- you even have like this fun little moment where
1: people get angry at Ghostbusters for all having a whole female cast.
0: <laughs> well, well, not for. <laughs> yeah, a cast full of apes. Who then heard of that? Cats. Yeah, I got you. cast. Yeah, and we have a mammalian uh, swap cast here. Right. Um, But no, it, it, it has a lot of good questions that it asks. I like that it even sets up kind of opposing points of view early on between the astronauts. The fact that Taylor has this kind of slightly cynical view of humanity. And like the other astronaut is more hopeful. Like, he's the one that lays the little American flag in the rocks. And there's that moment where Charlton Heston just comically laughs at it. He's like, <laughs> and the camera rises up to, cause it's as if like the cameraman's like, Oh, he's too scary. Go away. But no, Taylor actually has like a kind of philosophical point where he's like, you know, no, I'm hopeful about, you know, things, but I, I just think that there's has to be something else out there in the universe that's worth finding out. And it has to be. And then at the end, yeah. what does he find? There's nothing. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> probably the best contender for the greatest final line in a movie. Maybe. One of them, for sure. Right. Uh, it, it's just so good. It's not as good as 'Twas Beauty Killed the Beast. No, well, you maybe not, but but as far as you know, it's funny or that he learned too late that man is a feeling creature, and
1: because of it, the greatest
0: <laughs> in the universe. Maybe not as good as that one, though, no, but he pretty close. In still no. But, God damn you all to hell, yeah. is still, you know, it's, seeing it again, I just, I was so giddy when he does that line. Because he, he really brings it.
1: I felt giddy because, uh, I think you told
0: me the story, that yeah. you watched it with your family.
1: No, I was just watching it my mom happened to be in the room. And it's the part where Charlton Heston escapes the first time. Oh, oh yeah, and it's, yeah. And they're trying to wrangle him, and I'm like, oh man, it's coming! It's coming, and they get him in the net, and I'm like, uh, it's almost here. And I was like, what are you talking about? Just like, just listen. It's are like, get your paws off me. And I'm like, yay, finally I've heard it.
0: That's pretty cool. I, 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 a lesser man might make fun of you for that, but no, that's pretty cool. Mm. You have to look forward to things in life, um, and that's one of them. So, yeah, Planet of the Apes still holds up. If you happen to watch it, you should... You know, well, if you haven't seen it, watch it. And the original. And you haven't watched it, seen it. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't watched it, seen it. Like, and don't, and try not to. If you if you have to see one, see this one. Don't see the Tim Burton one, because that one does not hold up. You know who's in that movie? Charlton Heston. He is. He has a cameo as an ape. You know what I
1: admi- I haven't seen the Tim Burton version, but what I do admire is how much they relied on makeup in that film.
0: That was that was nice. They they that was just before. And I'm not
1: just saying that because I uh, because I d- dislike CGI. What I'm saying is is that the makeup work in that film is impressive.
0: It still is, yeah. No, I, I will give that
1: the Tim Burton plan. Yes,
0: yeah. that's what I'm talking. It's about. just that it didn't really have much else to no. to, to go for. Um, also, that movie is the example of a bad twist ending, <clears throat> where they tried to do what the 68 one did, and they just fall on their face. Um, Damn you, Tim Burton. also the, the sequels are generally good. Like by the time they get to the fifth one, which I think if memory serves as John Houston as an ape, which is kind of a sight it to see, I believe that man is not a feeling creature. Um, yeah, you can see it. Um, by that one, it gets, it's a little bit too much, but a lot of the sequels are really good. And also there's one, the fourth one called conquest of the planet of the apes, um, That one has, like, a real anti-Viet...
1: Conquest of the Planet of the Apes.
0: No, no, here's the order.
1: Okay.
0: Here's the order as I remember it. First is Planet of the Apes. Then Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from Planet of the Apes, Conquest of Planet of the Apes, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Okay. I hope I got that right. If anybody wants to... If anybody wants to correct me, you can send an email to wagesim at gml.com. Um... But, uh, but yeah, that's the order. The second one brings back Heston and all the characters.
1: Here's what we should be doing. Instead of Woody Allen making a movie every year, we should make a Planet of the Apes movie oh,
0: every okay. year. Oh, okay. Because I thought you were about to say that Woody Allen should make a Planet of the Apes no, movie. No, <laughs> Woody
1: Allen should not make a Planet of the Apes movie. But I'm just saying, there are so many <laughs> different options for titles of, with Planet of the Apes. Yeah. I really think we should put some effort into this. Because well, if we go 50 Planet of the Apes films, a few of them are bound to be awesome.
0: <laughs> They're now really, but they're actually the the re the kind of I hate to use word, but reboot series that's out now is actually quite good. You have Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and next one's War for the Planet of the Apes. Right. Next, some point we'll have like the flowering of the Planet of the Apes, or Siege of the Planet
1: of the Apes,
0: the marketing of the Planet of the Apes,
1: rebirth of the Planet
0: of the Apes, the rebirth of the Planet of the Apes. I just said that. Well, no, you said birth. I said rebirth. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> there's a difference. We should have like a contest. Of the Apes podcast. We should ha- Yeah, we should have a contest where one day we just keep on like going back and forth coming up with of the Apes titles. <laughs> well, that's kind of also like what the, what's happened with what happened with the Living Dead series. Yeah. You know, originally you had it was pretty straightforward. You had night, dawn and day. And for a long time, when I was younger, I thought they were going to make Dusk of the Play of the Apes and complete the cycle, <laughs> but that never happened. Instead, you got Land of the Dead, du- Diary of the Dead, and Survival of the Dead.
1: Dusk of the of the Dead is kind of... Dusk is not a very exciting time.
0: No, but I... Again, this is me as a teenager. I, I was... I, I, you know, there was a period of, like, 20 years where there wasn't a Living Dead movie, and I I actually think I even, maybe one day in class, like, drew my own fake poster for what I wanted to be. Planet of the Apes? No. However, there there is a Planet of the Apes T V series, which I had not seen yet. I think that by then they didn't really have much money. And I don't think the I think the Apes didn't really come out very well. Well I haven't seen it Yeah, what can you say? Now if you if you've seen any of the Planet by the way, before we wrap up, have you seen any movies this past week you want to talk about? um, I
1: can't think of any.
0: Okay, I'm just checking because I want I, I didn't want to leave you out. I feel like sometimes I hog a lot of these movies. Um,
1: Does Jack hog all the movies? Send your answer to wages of cinema yes. at Facebook.com.
0: Yes. Uh, also, we're on Twitter at uh, wages of cinema at uh, at gmail dot com, and uh, and we and we're also on Tumblr. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're on a lot of different sites. So why don't you check us out there? We actually even got a. Uh, let me just double check this if I make if I'm correct on this. No, I don't see it in here now, but we did get a tweet recently from someone. I I feel a little bit embarrassed I don't have it right in front of me, but for those of you who did tweet a question recently, uh thank you. You know, your your questions make us feel wanted and liked and respected and 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 all those good things. Uh <laughs> I don't know what to say else, but uh, thank you. And thank you for all of you who have been listening and commenting. And I hope you continue doing that. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a rating and a review. It helps our presence and gets us seen by more people. And we get to maybe compete a little bit more with the people out there who are putting out podcasts as well. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on in the, that world. So, Uh, when we come back, uh, we actually have a very special segment to give you something that we haven't done in a while, but a recent event, uh, kind of made it possible. So if you are intrigued, stay tuned.